This podcast should not be considered as medical advice. If you are looking for medical advice, please contact a licensed physician. But do find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be talking about why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective and why the common collective resists new information. All right. Technical difficulties right out of the game. <laughs> so one of the really seriously and upsettingly misleading kind of things that you hear very often uh, is the, the implication, uh, perhaps even the statement, that what gives you immunity to something, some infectious disease, is whether you've got antibodies to that thing. And, and I think they, they have done that because most people think that antibodies are what confers immunity. And certainly antibodies are quite important uh, against certain infections, certainly bacterial infections. If you don't have antibodies, uh, it can be very difficult. Uh, but that's not the only part of your immunity, and importantly, the immunity to viruses uh, doesn't really rely on antibodies at all. And I'll just explain why that is. Viruses are really tiny things, really tiny, and their business is to get as quickly as they can inside your cells. So they bind to a receptor on the surface and inject themselves into your cell. They're inside. Antibodies are big molecules, and they're generally outside your cells. So if you just think about that for a moment, antibodies and viruses are in separate compartments. The virus is inside the cell, the antibodies are outside the cell. So I'm not saying antibodies have no role, but they're really not very important and there have been, this has been proven. There are some people in whom a natural experiment has occurred, they have a defect and they actually don't make antibodies, but they're able to fight off COVID-19, the virus SARS-CoV-2, quite well. And the way they do that is they have what's called T-cell immunity, cellular immunity. And there are uh, cells that are, that are trained, as it were, to detect virus-infected cells and to kill those cells. And that's how you defend yourself against a virus. So all of these um, mentions of antibody levels, it's just bunk. It, it, it is not a good measure of whether or not you're immune uh, it, it does give the idea that you, it does give evidence that you've been infected, but their, their persistence is not important to whether you've got immunity. Um, and so I feel I've noticed uh, the emphasis on antibodies, I think, is, is, is really a psychological operation to convince you, a member of the public, uh, that you do know that it's antibodies that confer immunity. And so when they fall away, well, you must be losing immunity. I'm sorry, it's not true. Uh, there are multiple arms of your immune system and what's almost never talked about is T-cell or cellular immunity. It's not a new thing either. We've known this for decades. So it's not like uh, maybe there's something about T-cells. You know, it's being implied that um, you know, T-cells are a kind of recently come on the scene and, and maybe there are questions about how important it is. Absolute rot. We've known about T-cells for decades. They were clearly in my undergraduate textbooks and we've known about their importance in defending you against respiratory viruses since probably the 1970s, certainly the 1980s. So don't believe anything where people suggest to you that their role is uncertain. That's just bullshit. We've known for a very long time that they're absolutely central um, and you know I would like to explain why um, the, the virus variant story is, is just yet another lie and it involves T-cells. Immune system has multiple components to it because you are susceptible to infectious threats of various kinds, parasites, fungi, bacteria, viruses. Those will be the main categories. Well, obviously, they invade and threaten you in completely different ways. It would not be surprising then to learn that you've got you know, four or five different arms of the immune system, innate immunity, mucosal, antibody, T-cells, and, and complement. There are all of these different wonderful systems that are integrated one with another because you 
you, it needs to defend you against all sorts of different threats in the environment. And what I'm telling you is that the emphasis on antibodies in respect of respiratory viral infections is, is wrong. And you, could, you can establish that quite easily by doing some searching. Uh, and therefore, once you've established that for yourself, then you'll probably realise, well, why do they keep telling us about antibodies when they're probably not very important at all? Fabiola, uh, who was that? That was Michael Eaton. He is the former vice president and chief science officer of Pfizer, where he worked for 16 years. And we're going to post this um, video on the show notes, um, the link, so you guys can watch the whole, or watch, yeah, watch, because the video, the whole talk. And he definitely comes from that germ theory perspective. The reason that we wanted to put this episode together is because um, this week it came to my awareness that antibodies are not what they've been, you know, hyped up for. And um, I really, it, it took me a little bit to make the connection, right? Because we talk about vaccines and how we want to do the vaccine. So we get the antibodies. And um, this episode is really to kind of expose from three different experts um, that even though they come from different perspectives, right? So Mike Eden's coming from the germ theory perspective and the other two that we will play in a little bit are coming from the terrain theory perspective. They do all agree that antibodies are actually not the answer um, to any of uh, our problems, especially when it comes to um, creating immunity. So he says immunity to viruses do not r rely on antibodies at all. Uh, and this is known for a really long time, he says, decades. Uh, he says viruses are tiny molecules that are inside your cells, while the antibodies are outside your cells. So how, um, how are the antibodies going to do anything with the, with the virus if it's not even like in his <laughs> perimeter of vision? Uh, he also says antibodies are not a good measure of immunity and... The most important question of all he poses, why do they keep talking about antibodies when they are not important at all? I want to know. Yes. <laughs> I want to know. Well, what's up with all these experts, uh, doctors of the world? And, uh, you know, since... Telling his, everyone to get their vaccines. Since his time at Pfizer, it's not like he's been sitting on his laurels. I mean, he's been working with... Um, biotech upstarts and you know mentoring them and 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 uh, he's been doing a lot in the space he's certainly someone who is a big believer of um you, you know biotech uh, uh science you know looking up uh, potential cures uh, that are not of the man-made sort um so i mean he's not someone who uh, is on what we would call more of the naturopath side who's trying to speak, talk this, this, this idea down. He's but more he, on the mainstream. He yeah. developed, you know, your drugs and your, that he considers safe because he's been coming from the germ theory perspective as well. And another thing he brings up that we've known for a really long time just from researching um, because, you know, our children's uh, health depend on it, is that the immune system is much more complex than what we are um, made to believe. He was talking about several arms of the immune system. So the T cell or cellular immunity that he says this is what actually nukes, takes care of viruses and protects us against viruses. There's the innate immunity that comes with the innate wisdom of our bodies, just learning how to protect and defend itself um, when you get a disease for example we said that we're immune naturally we say that we're immune for life um, there's mucosal immunity then there's the antibodies and um, so much more complex than just getting a shot and oh it, I have antibodies okay yeah and Let's so I'm good I'm protected I'm good uh, and I think uh, in people's subconscious I think they don't even believe that anymore because I have come across several people that actually have gotten the jab and they only want to associate with other people that got the jab too, thinking, okay, like just me getting it is not enough. 
I need to make sure other people are getting it, too. I was just talking about that with my my mother, and and, uh, it's just so intriguing because, uh, you know, what we've heard for years and years is like, oh, well, no, you know, you, we need to get to this herd immunity, this 95% or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And, and when we do that, um, then we, we stop the virus in its tracks. But I mean, as if the, the, um, the, the vaccine itself has any idea who has the vaccine and who doesn't, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's operating in your body. It's supposed to be doing what they say it's doing. Mm-hmm. If it is effective, it, it's not going to know, Oh my gosh, we've fallen under the 95% threshold. I can no longer yeah. uh, provide any immunity here. You know? So, so I mean, we either believe that the thing does what it says it's going to do, or we don't, you know, there's really no in between here. Now, the other argument is obviously, Oh, well, you know, you get the vaccine and you create that perimeter so that these people who can't get the vaccine have, protection but you know mm-hmm. we've talked about that before you know if they were really uh, interested in protecting those people who can't get the vaccine then you know they would do a better job actually trying to identify who those individuals are ahead of time you know we obviously were in that bucket where you know mm-hmm. we, we had a, a genetic mutation you know they weren't trying to identify that to say okay or it's most um, practitioners actually don't even know yeah, so it's kind of a false. That, it's kind yeah. of a false narrative that they're trying to protect anyone mm-hmm. uh, because they're not doing any identification of who those uh, susceptible people may be. So, um, mm-hmm. and and as I said this before, and I'm going to say it again, if your immune system is working, why does it matter that the other person's immune system is working or not working? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's almost mind-numbing you know to, to think about but uh that's where we're at this the, this is the conversation here is that everybody has to be um doing the exact same thing for anything to work you know so we went uh, with the perspective of germ theory there and there's definitely lots of experts finding um faults with the theory that the antibody will sterilize you and protect you from disease. And now let's jump into a more germ theory approach uh, with Dr. Zach Bush, which we have played videos of him here before. Now he's going to give a germ theory approach or is he going to no, give a it's gonna terrain be theory? More right? of a terrain theory approach. And just um, to go over his bio real quick. For our first-time listeners, Jack Bush is a medical doctor. He's a physician specializing in internal medicine, endocrinology, and hospice care. He's an internationally recognized educator and thought leader on the microbiome. So the flora in your body, all the microbes that live within you. Uh, as it relates to health, disease, and food systems. So this is a, a snippet of his webinar called the Innate Immune System. And uh, he is triple board certified, mm-hmm. so just keep that in mind here. All right, let's go ahead. Far downstream of the innate immune system is the adaptive immune system. The adaptive immune system is, is getting 99% of the attention these days and when it comes to the discussion around public health. This is unfortunately very antiquated in its belief system and is frankly scientifically erroneous based on some very simple facts that you've perhaps even witnessed this past year and also just the extraordinary health and vitality within a seven day old infant. Amazingly, we don't actually develop the adaptive immune system within our bodies until three to six months after birth. These adaptive immune systems produce antibodies to downstream proteins and other potentially external forces to keep us in balance with the world around us. At one time, we believed that the innate, this adaptive immune system that was responsible for sterilizing the human body, but that was a very antiquated perspective that became false as far back as 20 years ago, as we started to realize the microbiome within the human body was in a constant relationship with it. And in the last 10 years to find out that every compartment within our bodies including even our, the hallowed blood-brain barrier and uh, the central nervous system of our brain is teeming with microorganisms that are there not only to promote health in the moment to moment, but also be there as an adaptive force to help us overcome injury. And so this microbiome is now understood to be part of us, which then challenges the belief that our, our adaptive immune system and immunology of antibodies was ever there to sterilize us. 
because it wasn't. If we were sterile, we would die immediately. The reality is we have to stay in conjunction with, in relationship to this vast system of bacteria, fungi, protozoa, parasites, and even the virome, the massive genomic sea that we live within. In that seven day old infant that I just mentioned, there's 10 to the eighth, more than a billion viruses per gram of stool in that child's uh, gut system interacting with its immune system that lies primarily in the gut. Amazingly, that child at seven days of age has no problem maintaining relationships to these billions of viruses, despite the fact that there is no adaptive immune system present to make an antibody to any of those. And so by that simple data point, we know that we are wrong about the fact that pandemics, our response to pandemics, our adaptive capacity to recover from pandemics has nothing to do ultimately with our adaptive immune system and our ability to make antibodies. It is a misbelieved system that is based on over a hundred year old paradigm of science that again believed that sterility was the only pathway to human health. Oh, actually, you've got, is it a little bit more on this one, I guess? Mm -hmm. We are in the midst of the massive paradigm shift that is one of the biggest scientific discoveries of humankind is that human health does not reside within the human cell. Human health is dictated instead by the biodiversity that is at the center of our vitality. Biodiversity of the microbiome and the genomic information from the virome is how we adapt. It is the gain of function capacity of the human biology and biology of the planet as a whole. The way in which we came to be as mammals, let alone as humans, was through the intelligent design of the virome's capacity to create plasticity and a creativity within that thing we call life. And so it is with great passion and a sense of import that I want to bring to you this panel today of the I love Zach. I love Dr. Zach. Yes, and this webinar was really cool. So we're going to put that in the show notes. It's available on YouTube. And he says, human health does not reside in the human cell. It resides in the diversity of the microbiome. So both of these experts, um, what they're saying either in terrain theory perspective or germ theory perspective is that they agree that the role of the antibodies and disease is really not important. So Dr. Zach was saying there that uh, babies, infants that don't have an adaptive immune system, yet in their stool, it's found 10 to the eighth of viruses per gram of stool. So we are not born sterile, and sterility is not a marker for health at all because these babies do just fine. Yeah, you know they don't die at birth, and they have all that diversity in their bodies to to begin with, and no antibodies. And then Dr. Eden also talked about humans uh, that can't produce antibodies, and they do just fine uh, against COVID nineteen. He said specifically. So we, we don't start developing the adaptive immune system until three to six months after birth. So the adaptive immune system produces the antibodies to downstream proteins to keep us in balance, as Dr. Zach said, with the world around us. So at one time, we believed that the adaptive immune system was responsible for sterilizing the human body and keeping us healthy but as he said this is antiquate um antiquated antiquated yeah um uh paradigm yeah paradigm and science because you know this became false as far as 20 years back uh when we started um studying the microbiome in its diversity within the human body and its relationship with us and we talked about that in our um, Is Sickness the Problem or the Solution episode already? And I'm just going to recap real quick. Uh, what we said back then is that it's estimated we have living within the human body 20 to 30,000 species of bacteria, 5 million spe species of fungi, 300,000 species of parasites, um, uh, in talking to our mitochondria within ourselves to facilitate this 
constant repair that the human body uh, needs to continue to stay in balance, homeostasis. So if our human cells produce about 20,000 genes, this microbiome or all these organisms produce between two to two million genes. So this shows how fundamental the balance of this delicate system is important to the human body and to health. If our microorgani these microorganisms didn't want us here, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here because it outnumbers our cells like greatly. So when we start getting familiar with this information and how important our microbiome is, um, you know, also known as the terrain, our terrain, um, how important it is to our health, this paradigm that says antibodies are equal to immunity completely falls apart. And when we inspect even farther into the idea that vaccines create immunity because they may induce the body to produce antibodies that supposedly create immunity, you know, that, uh, uh, and, and then at the same time, they say for diseases, for example, like COVID-19 and, and AIDS, that we have this antibody kits for tests, saying that if you find anybody, then you're sick. <laughs> you know, which one is it? Is the antibody the, the, the solution or is it the problem? Does it detect sickness? Does it detect health? It just doesn't make any sense. Well, it reminds me of... Um you know, they say that that, that good uh, politicians, they will take whatever is happening and make it serve the crisis. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter what is occurring. And so in, in this particular case, you've got uh, what we would assume is a good thing and they're marketing it as a bad thing, you mm -hmm. know? And so they flip their own narrative on its head. And because they're the ones telling the story, we are supposed to believe it, you yes. know, and so it's a little bit uh, ridiculous. But uh, but people that say otherwise end up getting attacked and ostracized by their peers and so forth. So I, I just want to go a little bit deeper. Okay. okay. Into into this this um, perspective that antibodies really. You're driving the bus on this episode. Yes. Yes. So, so and and this is this might sound a little discombobulated, so I'm just gonna give you a preview. So we're gonna play Dr. Cowan again. We played him last episode. It's not the same clip, though. Yeah, it's not the same clip, but it's just something interesting that he uh, was talking about on a seminar called the vaccine shedding seminar which is really interesting as well for you guys to listen to if you um, want to do it after the show but um you know dr Cameron is basically talking about the idea that in all the uh, uh the research the studies that he's seen or he's reviewed and many other researchers around the world have been reviewing there's no evidence that this virus even exists the only evidence that, that we have is that it's been sequenced so there's a a, a picture uh, on the internet of the viruses, but nobody actually has seen this real viruses as supposed to cause disease. And Dr. Kalman, again, he's a former general medicine practitioner. He's the vice president of the Weston A. Price Foundation. And so we're going to play the clip real quick, and then we're just going to review a few points so that it ties in with what we're talking about. All right. Oh, we got a little technical glitch here. Hang on a minute. Oh, is that the video that you uh, edited? Yeah, I mean, uh, let me just make sure it's working here. Should I sing for the audience while you work on the technical difficulty? So here's a question. Thank you very much for your webinars. Dr. Fleming, I don't know who that is, uh, saying that he was talking of prions on the spike protein of the virus, saying it was lab-created bioweapon. It sounds upsetting, obviously, but where there is no actual virus and therefore no spike protein, can I assume that means no worries about prions too? I just wanted to check with you on your thoughts about prions. 
So I haven't looked into in great depth prions. I knew something about it with the imaginary uh, mad cow situation. Uh, not that cows may not have been getting sick. In fact, I would say cows were getting sick. And whenever you talk about this, everybody needs to be as clear as they can that we don't say that measles as a phenomenon doesn't exist. We don't say even that there aren't people getting sick from whatever anybody is calling COVID-19. That one is uh, complicated. We're not saying there isn't such a thing as cows becoming goofy and then dying. What we're saying is the evidence that it's from a virus is not there. After all, there is no virus isolated from any sick human being or animal ever. And by the way, everybody agrees with that. So there is no virus, but that doesn't mean there's no spike protein. The spike protein is a, uh, a protein. Proteins are real. They can be even coded for by mRNA and the mRNA can be coded for by DNA. It works like that sometimes, but not all proteins are made from codes of either DNA or RNA. The reason I know that is because there's over 2,500,000 uh, proteins and only 20 to 30,000 genes, depending on who you ask. And simply the math doesn't add up. So the so the pro, but you can, it does, some of the genes, those 20,000, do code for mRNA, do code for proteins. And some of them actually have the sequence in human beings and in microbes that of what we're calling the spike protein. So it's also reasonable to think that in these bioweapon laboratories, they were, in fact, looking for ways to create, uh, to create and stabilize the creation, as I described earlier, of proteins which are toxic to many different tissues. And that's the spike protein. So I never said that the spike protein doesn't exist or it isn't coded for by an RNA and that coded for by a DNA. My guess is it does and that it can be a toxin as to how much and who made it. That's, I don't, I don't really know, but I assume it was a, the prototype was from a human being and they probably rearranged it to make it more toxic. And then they blamed it on a virus. They said that this virus, which they can't find, has the spike protein. That's the part that we disagree with. This spike protein is not unique to any coronavirus at all. It's a synthetic toxic protein. And then they worked on stabilizing it, which is in, in order to be able to basically inject it into people and have them make a reaction. Now, a prion is just taking that one step further. So a prion is even a, a, a essentially a smaller bit of a virus. And so I have no doubt that there are things that you could call prions, just like there are things that are, you could call viruses. But in fact, as we all now, now know, those are simply breakdown products of our tissue and our cells. And whenever our tissues and cells are poisoned, they secrete or break down into these little protein packages with genetic material in it. And then they probably break down further. And so then you have a small piece of this package and then it probably breaks down further and then it gets recycled somehow. And those further breakdown products are called prions. So again, you see them at the site of destruction. In other words, if you beam millimeter waves at somebody, their tissues get destroyed. You see that as the creation of these so-called viruses, which are actually just extracellular vesicles or exosomes made from the poisoning of the tissue. And then they break down further and you get even smaller particles and those are prions. And yes, 
they're in higher concentration with people who are sick just because their tissues are breaking down and there's more of this garbage to form these little particles. And somehow we think that the firemen caused the fires and maggots killed the dog. Firemen caused the fires and maggots killed the dog. So he's saying, yeah, we just, um, for example, cholesterol is a good example, right? They say the LDL is the bad cholesterol, right? If you dive into the research a little more, you'll find that this, what they call the bad cholesterol is actually there to protect the arteries mm -hmm. from chronic inflammation. So here we are saying the bad cholesterol as the firemen is causing the problem when the problem is chronic inflammation caused by diet, stress, and other factors. Here what Dr. Cowan is saying is, um, we are blaming a virus which actually is debris of degraded tissue or cells so viruses which are very tiny particles and then prions are even smaller so you can see that you know virologists and um, mainstream science it keeps like giving these particle names when really what they are is just degraded uh, tissue or cells that have been poisoned. So the issue is not what happened to the tissue and the cells. The issue is what caused them to degrade like that. And these are poisons. So where are these poisons coming from, right? And why no one is asking that question. So just to summarize what we're talking about here with these three different videos, um, what Karen was saying, basically, we're blaming viruses and saying more antibodies that would be induced by the vaccines, right, or the injections will solve this problem. While when we really inspect the studies, we find no virus and we found the cells are, uh, you know, this, this or what they call viruses or the broken down tissue of cells that have been cells and tissue that has been poisoned and antibodies serve no role. Should I say that again? No role. Antibodies serve, serve no, no role in the process of protecting humans from disease. Boom. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to do this, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you know, this whole premise of destroying tissues, I think that was probably when we started this, uh, this um, uh, process, you know, last, probably this time last year, maybe even a little bit before, more like April last year, we were, when we were... You're talking about the pandemic? The pandemic, yeah. You know, when we were listening to a lot of uh, David Crow on the uh, um, infectious myth, infectious podcast. myth podcast, yeah, and and we were unaware of um, exosomes. You know, that's mm -hmm. not something that we ever got taught in uh, uh, high school. I mean, I think I think just the the um, uh, the science behind that compared to other science is, is relatively new. You know, it's in the last, you know, uh, 10, 20 years, I think. And so, so what you have is you've got this old paradigm mm -hmm. that is continued to be parroted. Because you know? it's very It's very lucrative. Profitable. It's very profitable. Yet you've got all of this new science, yet it's being suppressed um, because it does not serve the the paradigm, mm -hmm. you know. So so uh, what we've talked about in previous episodes is that you know the the toxic load that the body is under, and and when you look at that, um, compare that to decades past, that mm -hmm. it continues to exponentially mm -hmm. increase. And yeah, you know, with each generation. So my children's generation is taking some of my toxic load, and I took some of the toxic load from my mother and she did from her mother and so on. Well, and, and it's interesting because <laughs> then you have some of these storylines which, uh, you know, like around 5G and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And, and, and what's interesting... Being a, what is it, a, a chain of misinformation. Yeah, but what's interesting about that is, I mean, we do know that... Um, like, like we, we know that a cell phone next to your head is not a good idea. Okay, we mm -hmm. know that, right? I mean, we, we know that it emits radi radiation. I think some people know. 
Not all people. Not all people. Okay. But if you read your cell phone manual, it's it's in yeah. There. It even says it there. So we we so we, we we know that the radiation that happens for cell service is not a healthy thing. So that radiation. I mean, some people actually say that it's fine because it's not non ionizing mm-hmm. radiation like X ray, but it's still radiation. There's more and more research research coming out saying that that is actually very detrimental to the human body it causes dissonance within our cells it destructure uh, the the water in our bodies and that cause can cause disease can make you more vulnerable but you know even that point you just made about the water in our bodies i mean mm-hmm. people don't even realize how important the structure of what they think water is water mm-hmm. right whether yeah. they get that out of a lake or a faucet or whatever they think water is water but no water actually can be you know for lack of a better term it can be abused mm-hmm. right and yeah. and and the, it is abused right and, and and the the components of it get adjusted you know and they they they, they don't work as well they're not as bioavailable they don't allow mm-hmm. for uh your cells to create in uh, t- in um, tandem with the water, because obviously you are made of water, mm-hmm. so you need to be able to work with water in as effective way as possible. And when water is destructured, mm-hmm. even though when it's in a glass, it looks the same as water that is structured. Mm-hmm. Your body doesn't recognize that destructure water as well, so it doesn't absorb as much. So a lot of us are dehydrated. And the other thing that this um, this structure of the water does, and actually, you know, this cell radiation, or is it short wave? Millimeter waves. Millimeter waves. They actually destructure de- 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 the water, which um, messes with the the protect protection around our cells. Mm-hmm. So we will let things come in and out of our cells that, probably shouldn't be coming in and out of our cells so that in combination with um a weaker microbiome right because our soil is more depleted there's more uh poisons being sprayed herbicides every day i mean tons and tons and tons and all this is cumulative uh so we have uh less nutritional foods we have more poison in the environment and that all affects us as the children of the earth right so we're poisoning by poisoning the earth we're poisoning ourselves too and then the the degradation that this poison does to our bodies will cause tissue you know this little shards of tissue to show up under a microscope and then well i think it's germ theory will say oh yeah that was what caused the problem I, I find it most interesting because when we when we've really started to get some some eyes on on uh, the toxicity of the environment, you know, we're, we we look at individual components and and you know the uh, EPA may say that oh okay you know there are certain tolerances for mm-hmm. for certain chemicals or whatnot, but what um, what they're not doing is is they're not saying okay well yeah, you may have this tolerance for this particular chemical or, or um, uh, whatever toxin we're talking about, but there's no long-term studies when we, when we mix, you know, maybe X uh, chemical with mm-hmm. Y chemical. Yeah. And, and so depending on where you're at in the nation and what uh, environmental pressures you have on you, you know, from whatever's being pushed out into your water supply, whatever is uh, in your, uh, the air that you're breathing, you know, from mm-hmm. uh, uh, pollution and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Y- there are no studies that are mixing these things. And in fact, it's very similar when you think about it to the conversation that we've always had around vaccinations is mm-hmm. that even when, even the vaccines that uh, you take that um, have the FDA seal of approval, <laughs> Approval on them, they've never done uh, safety studies around uh, giving uh, multiple vaccines at the same time. So with different adjuvants. With different adjuvants. Them. So yeah. So this one vaccine may have gotten the gold seal of approval, but it was never done in tandem within the other vaccine that they may be giving in the same mm-hmm. wellness visit None to the child. Are tested for card carcinogenicity yeah so 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 that's really interesting to me is that i think we think things like 
oh, well, you know, if we look and we say, oh, this says we can be in contact with up to this much, you know, per day uh, or, or per week. But then what we don't know is that if you mix that with another co- compound, uh, then maybe that uh, that load is much lower because now this other thing is is now creating a a, a, a vector that you're mm-hmm. not even aware of. And certainly there are almost an unlimited number of potential pathways of mixing different toxins and what those could uh, mean from an outcome for the body. Mm-hmm. And so now we're at this kind of event horizon with uh, COVID-19 and whatnot. And, you know, people are having some interesting symptoms. We, we think there's obviously a lot of manipulation, but there are some people who are getting mm-hmm. sick with some we're things. Not, again, we're not saying people are not getting Sick. Yeah, just like uh, Dr. Cowan said. A lot of said. people get confused with that. Yeah, but but uh, it's important because, and I think some people would even say, "Oh, well, then who cares? Who if people are getting sick, they're getting sick. So who who cares if if it's with the virus or not? They're still getting sick. It's like, well, it's the imp- approach. Yeah, the approach. The approach <laughs> is very important. You know how you treat it, and then you know you don't ob- ca- you don't fix a poisoning problem putting more poison into exactly. the environment and into your body. Yeah, the, the the vaccines or as we call them the, the shots. We're not mm-hmm. going to really call them a vaccine because they don't even uh, marry up to what uh, vaccines were were historically known to be. So, you know, if if those are built on a paradigm that we're saying is not what's really happening, then obviously mm-hmm. we wouldn't we wouldn't look to them with the same level of trust. We would say, okay, this may be an avenue that somebody wants to look into, but we're not going to be introducing, you know, rules like mandating vaccines right. and, and things of that I mean, nature. I to even top it all off with the main theme of this episode. Antibodies are definitely not doing what everybody's saying that is doing. I mean, what are we left with? Mm-hmm. What are we left with concluding from all this? You know, we have products that say they're safe and effective on paper. You go really look at the product and they're not safe or effective. You have, you know, this um, germophobia going on where people are wiping everything, wiping themselves with Clorox wherever they go, thinking the solution, people are staying away from each other. I I don't know when uh, people are going to wake up. I don't know when because I understand the propaganda is pretty massive. And as we saw here, we have three different experts that, have slightly different beliefs. I mean, slightly, I guess it's not even slightly, right? One. Some of them are quite different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, if we have confusion within the science, we can't really assume anything. You know, why can we assume that destroying the planet and intoxicating our bodies could ever possibly be the solution or the way to a healthier life. But but even even more so what you just said, I mean, you know, these three individuals that we featured tonight, you know, all um, very very intelligent, mm-hmm. you know, they 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 all three of them have uh, very very impressive careers. Um, they're smart. They don't just say things willy nilly. Mm-hmm. You know, they have stuff to back up their claims, but they still have come to some different conclusions, even though s- some of their other conclusions actually align pretty mm-hmm. well. But what we're at they now, all agree the antibodies are not doing but, what they're supposed to do. But what's amazing to me is that is that we're not allowed to have that conversation in the in the large forums mm-hmm. and, and, and get these three voices together and, and actually uh, uh, agree where they're going to agree mm-hmm. and, and then debate where they are, they are, di- they differ. We're not allowed to do that. Which, and that's what it's called science. Right? That is it's what science, exactly. Debate. And, and, and that is what is the most scary thing. I think that ties into, you know, like what we talked about in, in last week's episode, you know, where you had that friend that, that got on you, you know, about trying to just sound intelligent after you read a book and all that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like, well, no, I'm not trying to sound intelligent. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, um, I'm not going to apologize for seeking knowledge. 
Okay, I'm not going to mm-hmm. apologize, but um, or for thinking there's something weird about this whole well situation. But but I'm I'm also not going to. Uh, <laughs> I, I I just don't understand where the the uh, we we can't have an open discussion about this and get the the ideas out there. Um, so I'm, I mean, get them out there, and then at the end of the day, good ideas win people over. You know what I mean? If you've made your case as to uh, why what you believe makes more sense, and you've done that better than the next guy, then that's the way the cookie crumbles. That's the that's the point of debate. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's not okay. Look, we've made our argument, and we're just not going to let other people make their arguments. So then our argument is the narrative that that's that's not right well it's and, and we talk about that too right the fear where people they get so paralyzed with the you know honestly the mind controlling propaganda of it's the news talking about it is social media talking about it i mean it's um if you already like we already looking for these things just from our experience right life-altering experience with our oldest son he made us more aware of what to look for but i think there's a lot of people out there that they haven't had this uh opportunity you know to start really looking okay like my doctor was the person i went to um that i looked up to that went to school is was the person I trusted, and they didn't even know, because I don't think intentionally they would want to hurt my child, you know. So they didn't even know, and that's what I choose to believe that they didn't know. But now here I am trying to explore. Okay, what what happened? And with that, you're just opening a can of worms, or you're going down the rabbit hole. And the more you go down the more you see the signs everywhere that, you know, this, this should I call it elite, you know, that is up there uh, pulling strings or doing whatever that we all know collective, I think. All us humans, the 99%, we know that we can't really trust our government. You know, so, so what makes this situation difference what makes people believe that the government is looking out for us the government that is controlled by these forces that we don't really know who they are even you know there's so many theories about who these people are and what what they want are they just bored <laughs> do they want us gone or yeah, play, playing a large chess match yeah, yeah what what what's happening so we know that we can't trust the government right we can't trust them with our money why would we trust them with our bodies with yeah. our bodies i just heard this weekend from a friend that her 15 year old got the vaccine and she was talking to us and she's fine by the way and she was talking to us about her friends that did not want to get the vaccine and she's like well if they don't want to get it that's fine you know i got mine i'm safe they don't want to do it then that's great and i'm going i'm just going like oh my gosh you're 15 years old like there's like zero i mean almost zero chance that you could die from this well, but you are okay, just and your mom is okay with you, and they probably don't even know that it's an experimental drug. Probably not, and, and, and that it wasn't tested in that population. Well, and I can't imagine just with, you know, being in this situation for a year. You know, like I really, I can't even get in the mind of a kid. You know, being in this situation, mm-hmm. having to learn from home, and then going in and having to wear the mask all mm-hmm. day. You know, not something that we've had to do. Yeah. You know, so doing that over and over again. I think Peggy Hall, you know, in that she she's on the um, uh, Freedom for Humanity Health Freedom podcast. for Humanity podcast. Their most recent episode, we'll link to it. Um, you know, and she fights for um, you know your personal health freedoms, freedom. health mm-hmm. freedoms. You know, she's really uh, big on on the mass. Uh, you know, as far as uh, uh, you knowing your rights around not having to wear them and whatnot, and we and, learned a great deal from her. And she, you know, says an interesting thing about the, you know, kids know that these masks aren't 
uh, you know, they know in their mind they're not right. They know they're uncomfortable, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and yet they are getting and they, this. And they, they should know that they're okay. Yeah, well, but, but they're getting this messaging. And she pointed out, she said, you know, think about getting that messaging for a year. You know, you're, you're, you're training these children to say, okay, look, my voice that's telling me this is wrong, my inner voice, yeah, it, it's not right. My inner voice is not right. And so then when I get that inner voice again, I'm going to say, oh, there's that voice again. It's not right. You know, what, what, what is, what's the outside voice telling me? Okay, yeah, it, it doesn't line up. And so you're, you're training the children to not trust themselves. And just think of what that leads to with other decisions in their life mm-hmm. and whatnot. I mean, what happened to, to us and the decisions? Of well, and, and you know, we're around. in that, we're in this situation now, like we're, we're looking at the kids going yeah. to school and, and, uh, and now we're, we're wondering. Because they really want to go back to really school. They really want to go back to school. But, but, you know, Peggy made a great point in, in that podcast. She said that, uh, um, you know, even if your kids don't have to wear the mask in school because, you know, they have, um, you, you've either just talked to the school and they're not going to wear it or you have an exemption or whatever. You know, all the other kids, if they're going to have masks, that is that is a, a form of brainwashing too. You know, just seeing everyone around you in a mask and then also knowing that you're different, mm-hmm. right? Especially when you're at that young age, you know, you, you want to do more to blend in you know, especially to when belong. you're, yeah, you yeah, to belong, belong. To and and uh, so so now you're you're saying, okay, look, I'm going to do these things that are bad for my health to belong. Mm-hmm. I mean, which we adults do it too. We, we go do to it to the grocery store, yeah, or the pharmacy, or you know, it's just it's just amazing, you know. So I mean, I I think that's the thing is that everybody just wants to do something. But if the something they're doing is not good for you and it's also not effective, mm-hmm. then that is not the something to be doing. <laughs> it's better to do nothing than to do that something. And so that is the point. So we need to debate the science, okay? Mm-hmm. Which, um, you know, again, this is not an episode on mass, but I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it all is, um, it's all in the same barrel, together yeah. you know the mass the shots and we need to stay curious and we need to really listen to our inner voice and and we talked about that before but you know really listen to that inner voice and if it's something feels off it is time to go down the rabbit hole <laughs> <laughs> well what do you think you want to wrap it up yep all right well that's another episode of the collective resistance podcast with leo and fabby Tabby, what do you want to tell everybody? Okay, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay curious.